the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I bring you greetings today on behalf of Bishop John Brodowski, the Bishop of the North American Lutheran Church, our Bishop, uh, the Bishop for whom I work and with whom I work in the North American Lutheran Church. I greet you also on behalf of all of your brothers and sisters in Christ throughout North America who are also part of the body of Christ as well as the NALC. I preach and uh, talk and uh, work with many congregations throughout North America and at one church in, uh, in Oregon I preached and uh, led worship and saw the pastor and afterwards as I was leaving uh, one of the, the women said, now who are you? <laughs> I thought maybe I should have said something about that before. Uh, I am David Wendell, I serve as assistant to Bishop Radoski in the North American Lutheran Church. I am assistant for ministry and ecumenism. Uh, the bulk of my work in the NALC is related to anything having to do with ministry in the NALC. Uh, probably a third to a half of my work is with the call process. Uh, so I'm working with your call committee and with your council with regard to uh, seeking God's will with regard to your next pastor. Um, it is a spiritual process. It's in God's time. Uh, we've had a number of candidates. We've not yet seen revealed who God wants that next pastor to be. But my advice to you is when you get to that point and uh, you have a pastor come to see the place and meet you, just have a Sunday like this. You know, beautiful sunny weather, feeling very fallish. You can see some of the leaves are turning. A great celebration uh, here for worship with all the children and the, the music. And uh, I tell you, any pastor will fall in love with you and uh, see that it's God's will. Uh, but we'll leave that in his timing as well. Uh, there's nothing that I do in the NALC that gives me greater joy than being together for the dedication of a worship space. Uh, I serve in many different ways uh, with regard to congregations that are struggling with leadership, uh, conflict sometimes. I'm happy to be able to go and uh, try to help and make things better. But uh, I'm sure that you can understand when I tell you there's nothing that is more full of joy 
and hope for the future for us in the NALC than a congregation like yours that in such a short period of time outgrew its former worship space, uh, was able to have a new worship space uh, prepared and dedicated uh, today. Uh, that says to us that in the NALC, uh, we want to give glory to God for what he's doing among us as the NALC. So I certainly appreciate the opportunity to come and be with you today uh, to worship with you and bring you God's word. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Seems to me if there is one thing that 9-11-2001 brought to mind for most of us, it is the reality that the United States is not a building, although bringing down the Twin Towers in New York or damaging the Pentagon may have had an effect on most Americans, it did nothing to extinguish the American spirit. In fact, it may have, at least for a time, fanned the spark of that spirit, causing us to consider again the uniqueness of our nation, the exceptionalism, the importance not of our White House or our Capitol building, but of our people, the will, the drive, the unity, and the courage that may not manifest itself every day or even every week, but when challenged, when threatened, when freedom itself is at risk, that spark becomes again a burning ember and then a roaring, sometimes consuming fire as we will gather as one to protect and to defend not just our freedom, but the liberty and God-given rights of anyone anywhere in our world. Terrorists might knock down the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and the Capitol building, and it wouldn't destroy the American spirit, the ideal of America as the land of the free and the home of the brave. And while at times this spirit may seem dormant or forgotten, clouded by division and disunity. We all know that in times of attack and threat, we remember who we are and how we got here and what America is, and we stand side by side. In Christianity as a whole, and in Lutheranism in the last couple generations at least, many have forgotten who we are as the body of Christ in the world. Of course, we Lutherans throughout the ages have asserted, we are the body of Christ. We sing songs about it. We claim to be, each and every one of us, a member of the one body. But in reality, Lutheran denominations, the last few generations, lost their way. And whether we 
we were blinded to the truth or whether we willingly closed our eyes, whether it was unfaithful church leaders who led us astray or our own human nature that caused us to wander away from who God wanted us to be in some ways. We've been something other than who we were created to be as the church. And maybe it started even farther back than the last 30, 40, 50 years. Maybe it began when the Emperor Constantine declared Christianity to be at least one of the approved religions of the whole Roman Empire. Because that's when the Church of Jesus Christ, rather than being a persecuted, threatened band of followers of Jesus, sometimes hiding in corners and catacombs, sometimes having to stand boldly to proclaim the gospel of salvation. That's when Christians came out into the light of day and became an institution in the world. Christendom, it was called. From that point on, rather than being truly the body of Jesus Christ, living, breathing, worshiping, and serving, the church became willingly an organization, a structural entity in the world. And finally, in our day, we became a 501c3 nonprofit. <laughs> and at the same time, the church became synonymous with the building. Although for Jesus in the early community of disciples, the church was simply the gathering of his followers whenever and wherever they gathered. Once recognized by government, the church became an integral part of the fabric of society and culture so that finally in this country, one had a courthouse and a city hall and hopefully paved roads and a church. That's what made a town a town, a city a city, and the Church of Jesus Christ just another part of civilized, institutionalized community. So that people went to church just like they went to the post office or the library, you went when you needed to. And often our beautiful church buildings with towering spires became the visible presence in the community. And the church is the people of God. The church as the body of Christ was lost, diminished, replaced by the church as a civic organization. And so, not surprisingly, the mission of the body of Christ became not witnessing to Jesus Christ in the world, not proclaiming Emmanuel, God with us, the mission of the body of Christ became not being disciples and making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commands. The mission became maintaining the institution, providing for the organization, gaining new members, who would help to pay for and maintain the structure, literally the roof and the property and the organ in many places. 
because we hoped that the fine appearance of our beautiful stone church building in the community would be noticed, hopefully causing passersby to visit on Sunday and then to come back again to one day become a tithing member who could lighten the load on the long-time members. And the Lutheran focus on the word of God that comes to us as both law and gospel. Our reason for being as Lutheran Christians, as a church that preaches the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone to people who live in darkness and doubt and fear of death, that was all but lost. As Lutheran congregations necessarily focused on self-preservation and maintenance, and not the saving of souls and reaching people for Jesus Christ, and introducing the lost in our world to Jesus, who is God in the flesh. God who comes to us in word and sacrament, God with us always, even to the close of the age. We can trust that historians and sociologists will figure out exactly how we got here in the 20th and 21st centuries. But let us say, Thank God that by the power of the Holy Spirit among us, Lutheranism is being reformed in our day. Let's thank God that in this North American Lutheran church, small though we are, and in this congregation, God is reforming us and renewing us and bringing us back once again to the Great Commission. And the simple confession, you, Lord, are the Christ, the Son of the living God. For that confession, that affirmation of faith, serves the same purpose today that it did in the time that it was first spoken. Already by this time in the life and ministry of Jesus, people had been wondering and asking, who is this guy? This man who speaks with authority, who heals and casts out demons, whose very words carry power to raise the dead. Jesus turns the question on Peter, and in doing so, he's turning the question on you and me as well. Who do people say that I am? Many so-called Christians today claim Jesus is nothing more than a wise sage who should be remembered for his pithy and helpful sayings in life. Others claim Jesus is just one son of God among many others, no more special than Muhammad or Buddha or Joseph Smith. In a time of such confusion, it's no wonder then that churches are now focused not on Jesus, but on social agendas and political correctness and just a desire to help people because, you know, it's the right thing for humans to do. 
Since Jesus knew full well that from St. Peter on, we were going to be confronted with all kinds of misunderstandings about who Jesus is and why he came, and that we would be tempted repeatedly to lose our focus, being distracted by a myriad of humanly devised representations of Jesus. Which is why surely Jesus confronted Peter then and us saying, But who do you say that I am? Because it doesn't really matter who others say that Jesus is. What matters is that we, in the body of Christ, know the truth. Revealed to us by the Father himself, the truth about who Jesus truly is. What matters is that Peter then and we now see and know and confess that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, son of the living God. For that revelation, that recognition, that affirmation is the solid rock on which Jesus built his church in the first century, and it's the foundation on which he's rebuilding his church today, here and now, among us. For just as God reformed his church in the 1500s, not through Martin Luther, really, but through Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, so also is God reforming Lutheranism today. And not really by the power of the NALC or Emmanuel Lutheran Church, but through the incarnate Word. The Word who is Jesus. The Word who comes to us in Holy Scripture, written, read, and preached, and broken and poured out for us in the Lord's Supper. Jesus is renewing and reforming His church. Jesus, who comes to us still today as our risen Lord through the Holy Spirit to reform and renew and truly to resurrect His body, the church, whenever it needs it. For just as the church is always in need of reformation, the church is always needing to be brought back to that main thing so that it remains the main thing. That Jesus alone is the Christ. That Jesus is the Son of the living God, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified but raised for us. To be with us always, wherever two or three are gathered in his name. So that even as we ask God to bless and dedicate this wonderful new space. Even as we're grateful for all of our beautiful church buildings. Old and new. Even as we plant new churches and know that there are certain organizational and institutional aspects to the formation of new congregations, still, still we are here. 
not because of the earthly outward form of the church, but because of Jesus Christ, who is for us, Emmanuel, God incarnate. We're here because he has built his church on the confession of faith, which has come down to us from Scripture and the apostolic witness through Martin Luther and the other reformers to us today. So that together, we gather to proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus Christ only as Savior and Lord. Because as the United States of America is not founded on a Capitol building or a presidential mansion or the Freedom Tower or thankfully Trump Tower, but on the God-given freedom that's been won for us as America. So too is the church not a building or a worship space or a social service organization but the church is always and only the living, breathing body of Jesus Christ built upon the words and the faith spoken by Peter but embraced by all who claim God as Father, Jesus as Savior, and the Spirit as the power of God unto salvation that we believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven to be God with us. To save us from our sins and to give to us abundant life now and eternal life with him forever. Our prayer is that this will be our cornerstone in the NALC and in this congregation and also in our individual lives day by day to the glory of God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.